Hey, listener. Leland here, coming at you from the editing room. Well, we had a bit of technical difficulties with this episode. Uh, Our first guest was using some software that obviously I don't know how to use properly. So the recording came out uh, a little reverby. I tried to do what I could, but once once you get the echo, it's it's really hard to get out. And I, oh man, I really we really had a great time with our guest. Uh, she's she's phenomenal. She's so endearing, so energetic. Really really hyped about what she does, and uh, I just really feel bad that uh, it was just. I feel terrible about it, and we're for sure going to have her back, and hopefully by then, and by next episode, I'll have all our our issues worked out, so, boy, I hope you, I hope it's tolerable, I hope you find the content, you know, that it, it trumps, trumps the quality, it's definitely nowhere near our usual mediocre standards, uh, which is saying something, so not, not that great. But actually, it kind of interestingly ties into uh, one of our one of our segments. So I don't know. You tell us. Was this episode objectively bad or just bad in your opinion? <laughs> I don't know. So yeah, sorry again, uh, Shannon, listener, Moby. Yes, just totally on me. Classic Leland fuck up. And I hope you enjoy, anyways. Thanks, listener. Welcome to the D-Hub Podcast. I'm Leland Steele. I'm Moby. And I'm Shannon. Our first guest. Yay. We promised guests and we got one. Hi. I feel so loved. I'm excited to be here, you guys. Yes. Yes, we are so excited to have found you, Craigslist Creeping. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I love the Craigslist Creeping. That's it. Did I ever tell you the story, Shannon, of how I found you? No, No, you haven't, but now I want to know. So basically, I've been meeting all these flakes on online dating, and people had encouraged me to go to try to find some group locally that's in a writing or geek stuff like I am. And to meet people organically that way. And when I tried to search for that in Craigslist for a group like that, there was like three local groups that didn't look appealing at all. But Craigslist does its thing, few local results. Um, Here are some other results, like way away from Vancouver, where we're at. And so you had this like super well-written, the (laughs) game of nerds thing, looking for your your staff. So that's... I, you know what, it's been really a hit or miss with Craigslist because we found such cool and awesome, unique people. So I have had so many cool, unique experiences meeting new people like you guys, who now I get to be on your guys' podcast and get to talk about geek stuff and the stuff I love. So this is awesome. Yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's really cool because, um, oh, what was I going to say there? Well, Shannon, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Give us a rundown of what you do. (laughs) Well, uh, my name is Shannon Parola, and I run the Game of Nerds uh, website. Um, I started about five years ago from my hospital bed because I was literally in taking every book, movie, TV, video game, everything, you name it, 
and I had no one to talk to. And my mom was getting upset because my friends were getting kicked out of the hospital for us fighting over stuff. So she said, go online and make friends. And um, I've made friends, lots and lots of friends <laughs> from writers, cosplay artists, um, just everything. It's, it's awesome. I'm really, really blessed and lucky to have met so many amazing people over the last five years. That's awesome. So tell us a bit about your um, site. Like, do you go to cons and interview people or do you just review stuff? Or We literally kind of cover everything. We go to conventions. We do TV reviews for episodes. We do game reviews. We do um, book reviews. We do movie reviews. If it's a fandom, a book, a TV, if it's nerdy and geeky, we have it. And if we don't have it, I highly encourage you to email me. And so I can find somebody to to bring it to the website because I'm always into finding new and new and exciting things. Like we even cover furries. We have an amazing um, furry person, Yumiko, who's on our website. Um, and we anime, you name it, we got it. That's awesome. Well, listener, as you know, I've told you we only have one listener. Listener tends to duck out after the first five minutes of the show. So we'll just give that email uh, right now. We'll also let you plug at the end, but that'll just be for us because the listener will have been gone. But uh, yeah, so what email or uh, can... Can, uh, you, can get. you can go to our website at www.thegameofnerds.com or um, our email is thegameofnerds at gmail.com. Uh, we're on all social media as The Game of Nerds. You just have to make sure you add the, the in front of it. Otherwise, you're going to get some other stuff. <laughs> well, yes. And that's funny you mentioned that because we were trying to coordinate over email and it ended up I had shot a bunch of emails to you to that wrong address because I forgot the, the game. Yeah, yeah. like an idiot. So we're sitting around for 10 days. We're like, where the fuck is Shannon? Why the hell is this? Well, it was funny because I'm sitting there going, I, they probably sent it to the wrong email. And it wasn't until like, you know, you get to the end of the week and you're like crossing off your to-do list and you're like, oh crap, they haven't sent me the skeleton for the podcast. I probably should email them and ask them where that is. Probably should. Well, Hey, we got it all figured out. Yeah, you're here. So. Awesome. Well, let's jump into the banter here. Sure. So, Leland, do you have anything to banter? Or? Um, uh, I'll go last. It's not that much. Okay. Well, my first one is something I want your opinion on. Oh, okay. And, of course, Shannon's opinion as well. Um, Shannon, have you seen the little clip of Joaquin Phoenix's Joker? Yes, I have. Yes. Good. What are your thoughts on that? So, I, you know what? Here's my... I, the boys can see behind me. I am a huge Marvel fan. Uh, my husband and I, we collect those Funko toys. We have literally all the Marvel ones. We have a DC collection, too, so we're not, like, anti-DC or anything. I just feel like Warner Brothers has done DC heroes such an injustice that this makes, like, this new Joker... Why do we need another Joker? Why can't you let Jared Leto do his thing? Like, I, I get it. I... I like it. I can see the homages to the Dark Knight, but I don't know. I'm not sold on it. Yeah, Leland. Uh, well, he'd like to cut Jared Leto's break lines for one. Okay. <laughs> Why? Well, yeah. Not not a huge fan of Leto for 
personal reasons. <laughs> I don't even know what the fuck. What do you do to you? Like now, I want to know what did he personally do to you? Look, that's like, between where you're Jared. Like, that's between Jared and, and myself. Okay. <laughs> that's between Jared and I. We may or may not work it out sometime in the future. But yes, I completely agree with you. Why the fuck do we need two jokers? Okay. What the hell are they doing over there? What the fucking why? Why? It makes no sense. It doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. But what I what I do kind of hope for is okay. So basically, WB's got to be like, all right, we're clearly not going to be competing with the shared universe, you know, that Marvel built. So that's not going to happen. Okay, let's scratch that. Let's not waste our time and energy because one, they're already booting Cavill from Soup. So there goes your shared universe. Yeah, like, that's you. So okay, so I like the idea of them doing like these these like little Elseworld movies where you get. You get a, a, a twisted or changed origin story that is not the normal thing that you see and expect um, because there are a lot of cool, like, one-shot Elseworld stuff for DC that I really like. And if that's the direction that they want to move, I, I can get on board with that, and I will go in and see them, and hopefully they're fine. But I think doing that will also, you know, allow... A little less like under the microscope right the criticism may not be as as intense doing movies like that where okay yeah this is different you may not like that it's different but it's different because it's meant to be different hmm. so, yeah but then how do you get like all of them together like how do you have all you the super like the you point don't. of superhero film is or a villain's film is for all the villains to get to back you know like together so i just don't know how dc is going to continue the continuancy of it if we don't have the actors to continue or they're like booting people off because they don't like them. So I, I don't know. I wonder if like the whole DC is like imploding on itself and Warner Brothers is like trying to put the pieces all back together. And like the Joker is the beginning of like, and Shazam is like the new beginning of Warner Brothers. Yeah. And I think Leland, is that what you're saying? That basically their extended universe is falling apart. And yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think uh, Shazam actually might be pretty cool. I'm really excited about Shazam. Yeah. Like, I'm not, I'm not usually that excited when the trailers come out. Like, I'm only like half into Aquaman at this point, but definitely Shazam. I'm more excited about. Yeah, same. I agree with that. Is Dwayne Johnson Shazam or in it? Uh, I don't know if he's Black Lightning. Is oh, that I think he's Black Lightning, and then it's not. Um, it's uh, what Zachary Levi is Shazam. He's Shazam, yeah. Okay. Yeah, which is a seem, seemingly weird casting, but actually the trailer is, it seems pretty cool. Because, like, I think, well, he's, he's no a, he's longer a in the Marvel Universe, so he had a, to go somewhere. Right. He's a boy that is a man. So, yeah. <laughs> I think exactly if I can nail that. So. <laughs> exactly. Cool. Um, so, well, what did you think? I liked it. I yeah. liked it. I think it's looking like they're going to go for kind of a very um, dark drama very serious drama with no, him no no dc's never done that before. yeah exactly but there's this weird thing they keep saying that um they're going to promote him at or it's it's a study of like a man who's become really lonely and an outcast from society too like i think they're really going to try to ground him that you know he doesn't just go insane because he fell in a bunch of chemicals or something that, yeah you know, maybe he's just been treated poorly by society, meaning like they're going to try to make some sort of down to earth message 
don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that one, but. Okay. I, you know what, though? I will say this. I love Joaquin Phoenix as an actor, and it's just really yeah. exciting me that he got the role. So. I just don't understand why we need that many Jokers. It's just like, why? Like, why can't we just keep people? The, it's like, I guess I, I'm just so used to Marvel, and they're continuing, you know, just keeping the same actor. And this whole, that I have, you know, two different Supermans and all this jazz just is, just messes me up. No, that's fair enough. Well, and I also think that with a lot of the Mar- these Marvel characters, these are the first iterations of those characters we're really seeing on screen. Whereas, you know, Superman and Batman both have been recast new dozens of times, right? over yeah. the last, like, 40, 50 years. So I think that plays into it a little bit, too. Um, but, yeah, that totally makes sense. Like, they need, you, need some, you need some continuity to bring viewers back. Like, you know, uh, it just it doesn't make any sense what they're doing over there. Just... No, it's like it's a mess. And that's why I say I think it, they've exploded, and now they're, like, just trying to clean up the mess before everybody else figures out what's going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. We have discovered... Exactly what DC is doing with their films. Here you go. We, we got you, DC. We got fucking got you. <laughs> you can't escape it. No, exactly. Um, the second thing that I got for banter is: Has everybody seen the new Bumblebee trailer? Oh my gosh! This is yeah. the point I was going to bring up later. Oh, okay. Um, then you can, I guess, bring well, it up. Then bring it up later. <laughs> uh, I just my one comment I have for it is that uh, there's a scene that shows the Generation One Transformers. Yeah, that was, was cool. And that, that was awesome. Oh man, Soundwave Generation One Soundwave ejecting out. I think right. it's Rampage. Yeah. And oh, that was awesome. And then you see Shockwave too. Oh, so good. I think to be honest, I was more excited about this trailer than I have been for any of the other Transformers. I just, I think I'm just over the Transformer franchise in general at this point. Like, I, I don't think I can take any more of it. Oh, yeah. They're the definition of beating a dead horse. I mean, <laughs> exactly. Straight up. Like, you, I, like, I'm surprised, like, the Bumblebee movie got it okay to go. Like, are you kidding me? We got to seven, and it barely did well in theaters, and now we're going to give Bumblebee his own movie. I mean, granted, he probably should have gotten his own movie, like, four movies ago. Oh, that's a good point. I, I wonder if that decision was made on toy sales. Because hmm. um, Bumblebee is huge. Like, he's clearly the most popular out of this latest slew of Transformer movies. And I'm sure his action figures sell, like, fucking hotcakes. And, like, hey, let's let's make, you know, let's make retro Bumblebee. Let's let's bring back some of these other Gen 1-style Transformers and just launch a whole new line. Like, it's not the first time they've done that stuff with that franchise. No, I think that's a, fa- I think that's a fantastic point. I mean, if you release a Generation 1 line of toys to go along with this movie... I mean, geeks, adult geeks oh, yeah. will like clean oh, yeah. up. They'll get yeah, the entire totally. set easy. Yeah, it's your right in the nostalgia heart. And they, you know, they'll have those like uh, taller ones that are maybe twelve inches or yeah. ten inches tall. Yeah, really expensive. Well, it's, it's just like those um, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures they had at San Diego Comic Con that were from like the eighties that they redid and they sold out like hotcakes. And now everyone's into the new like Ninja Turtle franchise and everything like that. So it's just everyone is hitting the nostalgia button, and if they can make some money off of it, they're going to make some money off of it. Absolutely. That's Mark yeah. 101. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I think, I hope that 
<laughs> the main driving factor is like fan service, but obviously there is money on the table and they're going to snatch it up. So, oh yeah, right. Is that all you have? Can we let Shannon get on with her banter. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, um, I don't. This is so. Most people don't know, but I'm a nanny in my other. When I'm not geeking out, I'm an actual nanny, and so. I saw the Mary Poppins trailer that came out recently. I don't know if you did. You guys see it? I have not. No. <gasps> Wait. <laughs> I'm kind of. I'm a huge fan of Emily Blunt, though. Oh yeah. She. So you know what? I was. I wasn't sold on the idea. I am a huge um, Lin Manuel Miranda fan, so I was really excited to see him cast. And I wasn't really sold on the photos and everything, but after seeing the trailer, I literally bawled while seeing it because Mary Poppins was one of the first movies my mom ever showed me. And to see it, it's very classic. They stay to the original and the fact that they actually included that whole, um, when she jumps into the chalk drawing and they do the uh, all artistic drawings that she's in the, the carousel scene with the penguins and everything like that, they basically brought that back from to the new movie and it looks exactly like it did from when I was a kid and it brought back all that back to nostalgia uh, hit that button for me and it was amazing and so um, not a lot of people are giving it the credit it deserves um, especially with all these other big trailers like Phoenix and or Dark Phoenix and everything coming out so I just oh if you haven't seen it, go see it right now, please. Listener, go watch the Mary Poppins trailer. And I'll put it Just in like... the show notes. Wow. Yes. Don't sound so enthusiastic. <laughs> so this is a, this is like a sequel, right? This is like Pop, like yeah. Return Poppins Return of the Dark Nanny or Dark Nanny Rises. <laughs> pretty but pretty much I guess what happens is the bank the bank's children that were in the first one have their own kids now. But they're not doing so well. Like they're, you know, they're about to lose their home, their business, and she basically comes back to save the bank's children and take care of them. And then the their the bank's kids learn the same lessons that they learned, and um, the bank's kids basically learn, you know, how to be a kid again and take things a little bit lighter. And you've got to enjoy life, basically. Uh, okay, so Mary Poppins is basically a good version of Winter Soldier. They put her on ice until some kids need her, and then they give her the the, the go word, the, like banana, banana rama or whatever, and she activates and she just goes. I have never ever thought of that. Well, she's is she immortal? Is she supposed to be like this immortal being? She well, that's one of the questions that is asked in the trailer. Like, um, they say, "Oh, you've never aged a day," and she's like, "Michael, I've raised you better, basically. Like, you're never supposed to ask a woman's age." But the fact that you use the analogy Winter Soldier, which is literally one of my favorite Marvel characters, me and my husband got married to a Captain America Winter Soldier themed wedding. Like, but the fact that you made it, Nanny, oh man, Leland, you just made a giant heart in me. Oh man, love you. That is the first time Leland has heard that. Both, both the heart analogy and also love you. People so, talking. What are you talking about? People love me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> All right, well, I'll put the, I'll definitely put that trailer in the show notes. And the new Bumblebee trailer, I guess. We'll give Moby some credit, I guess. Fuck you, man. You're like hugging a porcupine. It's just like quill after quill after quill. Yeah, but once you get to the soft, fleshy goodness, it's worth it. Okay, well, my banter. Um, uh, okay, I have a couple things. I just really wanted to rant about Walking Dead season eight and how fucking garbage it is and how terrible that goddamn show is. 
and I just finished binging it on Netflix. And <laughs> it's so fucking bad. You binge everything you hate. <sighs> okay, no, like I don't know why I keep watching this because it was like you know six seasons ago. It was like, man, this show sucks. And I was like, oh no, it's been like since 2012 or whatever, 2010s that this fucking show's been on. And you only do so much in a zombie fucking apocalypse. Do either of you are you uh, are you watched Walking Dead? I haven't seen oh, yeah. Oh, diehard fan. We watched Walking Dead uh, and we cover Walking Dead on the Game and Nerds. Like that was one of our first shows we like covered. I'm we yeah. Love Walking Dead. What? Why? Yeah. Okay, what do you like about it? Now Fear the Walking Dead is a whole other story. Right, well, I'm not talking about that. I'm definitely not touching that. <laughs> what do you, what do you like? <laughs> what do you like about the Walking Dead? Well, see, I grew up, so I read the I read the conference center thing. So The Walking Dead, I just love how they have transformed this comic into an actual TV show. And for me, it was the first realistic zombie thriller that actually like kind of scared me. And for a while there, like this past last season with Negan, it took, my husband didn't want to watch. Like he was like, after Glenn was killed, he was like, I'm done, like walkout, done. Um, but we've slowly gotten back into it. Now, my thing is, is I'm kind of interested to see how this season rolls out and see how the, the jump plays it and how they're going to keep Megan and all that kind of stuff. Like there's some, some aspects I love, some aspects I don't, it, it's a love hate, but for the most part, I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Yeah. All right. Well, good for you. Okay. Why do you, why do you hate it? Okay. Why do I hate it when the writing is fucking trash? Like, okay. Every a character arc consists of character A loves character B. Character B dies. Character A then goes homicidal. Character A then reforms an episode an episode later and was like, no, we should preserve life. That is every single character arc and every fucking character in the show goes through. But everyone just takes their turn. Wow, it's fucking. And then Rick goes through it like six times himself. So and Morgan. Oh fuck, it's, no, garbage is bad. Characters, okay, it's like they've never, they haven't been living in this zombie apocalypse for the last however many years the show is, the time frame of the show has been, because they keep making the stupidest fucking mistakes in relation to zombies, like Jesus Christ, and how are zombies, when they need to be, like super fucking stealth ninjas? Like, yeah, okay, that's my one thing. That so stupid. Are way, like, I know your ass has been dead for a long ass <laughs> You've been rocking in the Georgia sun. How the fuck are you that bad? <laughs> yeah, yeah, how are you not just like a pile of jelly? Uh, I just think uh, right? by, you know, coyotes. Like the thing comes out of the swamp and it's like super fast. It's like, dude, you think you would have gotten out of the swamp by now? <laughs> right. right. And <laughs> so character, character motivations, like I sometimes they just confound me on why and they've taken a sudden turn. And I, I realize the way I consume this media is I don't watch it when it's new airing on cable, right? So I am watching it like all in a string. So it, it, that you haven't may... been emotionally strung out week to week. Like no, exactly. Exactly. I haven't, right? So that may, I've, I'm fully I'm aware that that could impact the enjoyment of the show. Uh, but that's like a whole other conversation on streaming services in general and how they impact content um, that actually I would like to have at some later point. But I don't know. You might be back for that one. Sure. Absolutely. The show just, uh, I'm just so disappointed with it. It just can be so much. Because yes, I am a fan of graphic novel as well, which I love. But 
I don't know. And then just this, this one storyline in season eight that really irked me when, like, literally in season uh, one or two, they had purposely the show had set out to state that this outcome would not be the case. I mean, I don't want to spoil anybody who hasn't seen it. It's kind of fresh, I guess. But I don't know. I just have had it with it. I can't do it. I can't fucking do it. But then yeah. when season nine comes out, you'll binge it. Yeah, yes, yes, of course, of course I will. <laughs> <laughs> That's a Leland thing. He hates shows, but he finishes them. Um, myself and the old co-host that we will not name. Uh, <laughs> wow, okay, we used okay. to bug you about that because you you would not stop watching a show that you didn't like. You had to complete it. That's yeah. The, no, no I, yeah. 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 Well, okay. Because these shows, they have so much potential. And I just want to see that potential realized. To give the characters service, the actors that played them service, the fans of the service. I just want everyone to be happy. I just want everyone to sit around, love what they're doing. Sing kumbaya. Sit around and be all circle jerk and just have that. Oh, wow. That's all I want. That's all I want for this world, okay? I'm going to be running for president, for prime minister. I'm going to rule North America under this. This is my platform. I think there's way too much dirt on you to ever for politics. Both of us, man. <laughs> and then, okay, so my second, my second banter tidbit um, related is uh, Telltale Games going under. Yeah, I heard of that. Yeah, I just like apparently crazy toxic work environment, um, massive layoffs, and people aren't getting severance, and it just sounds like a whole cluster. And I think um, the writing's been on the wall for a bit. Like uh, in November of 2017. They uh, had, a, I think it was like a 25% staffing layoff, um, which they seemingly handled very well, though. They got, you know, proper severance and notice and a big send-off for all these these valued, you know, quote-unquote valued employees. Um, but yeah, just uh, kind of rough, kind of rough. I know a lot of people are fans of they uh, their Walking Dead episodic games, you know. And they have a whole bunch of different IPs that they were handling, which I think was... Played into them, just again, they're getting too big, too fast, and yeah, just uh, bit the bullet. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I it's sad because I like a bunch of the Telltale games. I've got like their Game of Thrones one. I've got their Back to the Future one. Yeah, I think I have another. And but it's hard to think that you know the same people that made those games are now being treated poorly by the employer and you know, not getting that severance and whatnot. So. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it just sucks to hear that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah it, it does. does. It does. So, uh, Leland Classic, bringing it on down a bit. <laughs> yeah. We'd expect nothing less. So, you want to jump Major in? bummer. Major bummer. Well, All right. Why don't you be more objective? <laughs> I Thank you. That was a great segment. All right, let's jump into our first segment. And... Is kind of, again, one of our hybrid segments covers across all three of our main topics, but objectivism versus opinionism. So I and Moby, we both write our fair share of reviews on content, as obviously Shannon, you do too. A lot. Right. So um, I thought a good topic to talk about would be uh, in composing these reviews, where do you, where's the line of being objective and then injecting your opinion? Uh, Shannon, why don't you start with that? Because you probably have the most experience. Well, so this is really, for TGON, I always tell staff to kind of go with their gut, right? How, right what your gut's telling you, because I guarantee there's somebody else in the world who feels the same exact way you do. And your, your feelings are always valid. 
as long as you're not being a jerk about it. <laughs> That's the main point. Don't be a jerk about it. Yes. <laughs> be a nice human being. Be constructive. Um, so for like what I think in elements that make things bad is like it's the biggest thing is the CGI and the graphics. Like that just really just irks me and the bad storyline. Yeah. Those are the two major things that I was just like, if you can't do those right, might as well just give up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think those are things that you can point to. Like one of the notes that I have is, you know, what makes something objective versus opinion? Well, it should be demonstrable to demonstrable to, you know, other people. So, I mean, if you reasonably know video games and you see the supposed AAA title and it's got crap graphics and terrible cutscenes, other people are probably going to think the same thing. Yeah. Um, one I have actually in video games is like if they're really buggy and they crash all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's really, that's a big turnoff. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with that for sure. So. Mine is more, um, like my husband and I, we recently just talked about it in the pay, you know, the premium and downloading content. It's just like, you've already paid for the stupid game. Now I got to go buy the extra Spider-Man suit. We were just literally talking about this because we're playing Amazing Spider-Man or Mar- yeah, is it Amazing Marvel Spider-Man or it's P- Marvel the one on the Spider-Man. PS4. Yeah, yeah, the exclusive. Yeah, you have to buy all the extra content and all the extra suits, and it's just like, you already paid for the game, why do I have to buy more? Well, I think you're hitting on a great point there. Why do you mean you have to buy, like, like, additional stuff? Yeah, you have to buy more, like, if you want to, like, it's almost like a, I'm a, I can't even think of the last game we were playing, but there was another game where it's just like, you basically had to pay to win the game, which, like, it was absolutely ridiculous. I was like, you might as well have just bought the premium version to begin with, and you would have won the game faster. Uh, okay, I, I don't know what you're. I don't, honestly don't know what you're Star talking Wars about. Game where mm-hmm. they, uh, yeah, yeah, Battlefront, I mean, Battlefront, Battlefront, two. Battlefront which Battlefront. I'm going to talk about later. That's like my no, favorite I game. Even I know everyone hates it. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Spider Man. Spider Man, like he had the premium version. Took, took, and then what came with the premium version? Uh, all a bunch, a bunch of stuff that didn't come with the regular version because that's how we oh, okay. the All right, so I think I think that's a little different. That's a little different conversation where I think that falls into the um, like different outlets. Like when you pre-order from different spaces, you get different stuff. I hate that shit too. Yeah, no, that's just annoying. But, so I just really just give me the damn thing with everything in it. Yeah, but I mean. See, look, I, I have the normal game and I don't know the difference and I didn't feel slightly. Hmm. Like, what was the new? There was a Justice League or uh, the DC fighting game. Uh, Injustice that 2. Just came in, yeah, that one. That one, it was really funny because the Kids I Nanny has the regular version and we have the ultimate package version. And you can definitely tell the difference because some of the fighters are not as good as the ones that you pay premium for. Yeah. Oh. And that, yeah, that's stupid. Yeah, that is yeah. that is stupid. And, you know, I just think you're right. I think this is becoming these microtransactions. This is becoming something that a lot of gamers are getting really pissed off over. And I think it is now an objectively bad thing to have a game that relies on microtransactions. I do want to be clear. It's Spider-Man. They're not microtransactions. Oh, I'm not trying to be Spider-Man. No, I'm just saying. You don't, you don't buy, you can't buy them in-game when you have the game. No, no, no. But you know, when your husband comes to you, and I'm sure kids and all, like parents can understand that. The kid comes to you and they're like, 
Yeah, I want this game. It's only 60 bucks, but the $80 version gets me all the extra add-ons. And it's like, well, why doesn't the $60 version just have it and we all be happy? Because I really don't want to pay $80 for the premium, but I know you're not going to shut up until I get you the $80 one. Hey, I totally understand that. I Like, I'm right there with you because, I mean... Hell, sixty to eighty dollars. Try sometimes like sixty to one hundred and ten or something yeah. like that. They get pretty ridiculous. Yeah, for some of these sets. Um, yeah. So that's that really sucks. Um, and I think a lot of what you said is applicable to movies and TV as well. Poor editing, exactly. poor acting. And as I was prepping, five minutes before the show started, <laughs> just, <laughs> just kidding. Um. I was thinking, is acting really something that you can point at as objective, like an objective thing when you criticize it? And I think it really is. Um, I think back to Sofia Coppola's performance in The Godfather Part 3, which is very famous for how bad it is. And I rewatched that. And yeah, she's just absolutely terrible. And I think there'd be no one in the on planet earth that would say that that's okay and doesn't seriously affect the movie right so, right yeah and i think there's cases where acting sorry i was cutting you off cases where acting can be borderline but i think there are many cases where it can be objectively bad so continue Shannon. well well you can take it the opposite way with a really really bad storyline but really great acting is what makes the good like i look at super bad and you could put any other actors in Superbad and it would have been shit. Yes. The only reason why Superbad was so good was because of Michael Sarah Jonah Hill and McLovin. Like, let's be real. Yes. For McLovin. I don't I, no, we're not gonna say his real name. I know it. He is McLovin in all his movies. <laughs> we named our dog Crush McLovin after him because that's how obsessed we are with that movie. That's awesome. <laughs> Little anecdote here, Shannon. So crazy story. Um, so I was up in Sun Peaks um, probably about eight years ago, which is a, it's like a ski resort. But I was up there in the springtime and my buddy had never seen Superbad. So we watched Superbad. He works up there. He lives up there. Afterwards, we went to go get some drinks at one of the bars they had there. And I shit you not, 100% this is a true story. We go to that bar and who is giving a live stand-up performance but that fat guy in the liquor store in Superbad who, <laughs> yeah, where the, the bottles break, he's like, fuck <laughs> yeah. my life. That guy oh was there doing God. stand-up right then and there. And he was, was he was terrible. But <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was a sign like, oh yeah, you were supposed to see Superbad. Like, I really, you know, this was the day. Yeah, you were supposed to see Superbad. Totally, totally. And it's like, just what are the chances of those two things happening just an hour apart? It was, it was exactly. Crazy. And that's how I feel about Superbad. Like, it's a horrible storyline. You read it out. You say, this is crap. But you put the three of them in there and it's yeah. the most awesome movie known to man. Yeah. It, it was fantastic. I love that movie. Um, yeah, and good points about uh, the acting saving a crummy script. Right. Okay, well, I to go back to what you mentioned about um, maybe a performance that borders the line between the two. Right. Okay, so now I hated this performance, but uh, Jesse Eisenberg is Lex Luthor in Dawn of Justice. Oh, he was good. What? He was fucking terrible. It was the worst. It was the stupidest Lex Luthor performance I've ever fucking seen. It was so fucking garbage. This is so, there we go. 
garbage, so stupid. They didn't know what they were trying to make his character. They thought they were doing a Joker slash a Riddler slash fucking who knows what. <laughs> it, it's Terrible. true. He was a combo of everything. But I think, I mean, with that cast of people, like, you had to have something ridiculous to balance it out. Like, let's be real. Everyone was still no. staring at Jason Moma going, <laughs> ah, you know, like, and Ben Affleck standing there brooding. Like, let, they had to make him ridiculous to kind of balance it all out. That is the dumbest reason for making a stupid character I have ever heard. Is, is that heart melting true. away now? That heart for Leland melting away. Okay, look, look. What I, okay, my problem is my problem with with that with that performance was like all of the all of the events that that Luther did to orchestrate, you know, bats fighting soup was classic Lex Luthor. And I and also all the stuff off screen was like, yes, that's Lex Luthor. But then you juxtapose it with actually seeing him talk. <laughs> I just I couldn't handle it. I don't know. But there you go. The problem was was that they like I you know with once again back to DC because there's no continuity and there's no like you know you're not gonna bring the characters back in. They had to throw Lex Luthor as like here you go, here's Lex Luthor. He's just not Lex Luthor, but you need to deal with it because this is the best we got. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And you know, I guess uh, going back to my whole Elseworlds point, like pretty much the DCEU is like an Elseworld universe. So I don't know. I'm a hypocrite, I guess. But <laughs> well, it's, it's sad when the TV universe, the DC TV universe, does better than the DC movie universe. Like, let's be real. Would you yeah. agree with that? Maybe? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Maybe not as of late. <laughs> no, but like the quality is waning. Was, was rough, but for the general, at the at the end of the day, I feel like the DC TV universe um, has, is more productive for DC yeah, than the movie universe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way of saying that. I totally agree with that. Want to move oh, on? Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was going to go back. Remember how we were talking about uh, The Walking Dead and going back to horrible CGI in this last season? So my biggest thing was when they went to the junkyard and Rick starts looking around and you see the horrible, horrible CGI of the junkyard. And you just realize, oh, man, I know where all their money goes. It goes in the zombies. And they just ran out of money. Oh, yeah, got yeah. At this point. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Oh, man. I don't know. I, I mean, I can imagine that. <laughs> okay, can you imagine, though, if these zombies look like trash, but, oh, man, that junkyard was real convincing. I would be pissed, to be honest. Exactly, exactly, right? So, I mean, <laughs> exactly. It doesn't matter. You, the, the consumer is never going to be happy, right? Like, they're always going to be wanting more. Especially if that consumer is Leland. Yeah, especially if that consumer is, is me. Ah, uh, that's funny. Um, I wanted to bring up a, a few others, a few other points here. Um, video games, when levels get repetitive or there's a very poor frame rate, um, that is a big deal. Like bad frame rates are a huge deal for me if whatever game is not optimized and just runs poorly. Um, because I feel like bugs can get fixed with patches, but frame rate just means you've got a bad foundation of a game. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so well, it could be worse. They could hype it and then release it and it's super buggy. And that just pisses me off more. It's just like you spent all this money, you know, advertising and marketing it. And you couldn't fix the stupid bug in it. Well, that happens so often when studios rush to release. Yeah. Well, a good example that I wrote for video games was um, I, they made a Grey's Anatomy. Uh, Ubisoft made a, a Grey's Anatomy game for the Wii when Grey's Anatomy was like at its crazy peak. And everyone wanted to buy it. And then you bought it. And it literally was like the t- most trash game known to man with like these mini games like thrown in where you have to do surgery and shit. And it, I completed the entire game. I felt good about myself, but it was trash. Like, it was like the biggest waste. And I felt like, okay, here you go. Like, you know, ABC gave you the rights to Grey's Anatomy, one of the largest TV shows out there. And this is the shit you put out. Well, that just sucks. Yeah, it does suck. I've never played it, but now I almost want to play it to, like, watch a train wreck happen. <laughs> it is. It's a lot of just storyline of McDreamy and, and Meredith and then with some surgery thrown in. Like that. And mini game. It's mini games. That's basically it. Wow. That's actually really close to one of the points I have, you know, when we're discussing are some of these elements that are bad overcomable when paired with strong positive aspects. So for the Wii as well, and I think it was Ubisoft, um, they released three games based off CSI. And and I think those would be considered shovelware in most ways. I mean, you know, you pick up an object that's like a a gas can and glaringly obvious is a fingerprint, like right on it. And fingerprints never appear that way. And then you just click on it and you'll take a fingerprint and you just kind of assemble really easy clues together. Yeah. But but the original show writers wrote all the segments, all the plot for those games. And I found the segments were compelling enough and the stories edgy enough that I was willing to complete all those games because I wanted to do the segments at least once. And I've done certain segments that were really cool a couple times. Yeah. Um, so, so the writing was good enough. The writing was good enough, and there was, like, really nothing else redeemable. I guess the music was okay, but, like, the graphics were terrible. They had the real voice actors, but they were so disinterested. You could tell. Oh, that's true. Man, that writing must have been real good, then. It it, it was good enough. Well, for me, I don't know if you guys feel this way, but when I play video games, I don't... I want to feel good about myself, not feel like crap. So, like, if your video game is, like, overly hard or overly complicated and I need to press 60 buttons at once and, you know, stand on one foot while I do it, it's just, I can't handle that. I, I want games that I can actually handle. And maybe that's why I'm really just only, like, playing Mario Kart half the time. Like, I guess that's <laughs> I completely it. agree with you on hard games. I avoid hard games like the plague. Well, that's, that's fine. fine. I, I will take up all the hard difficulties. It is more hard difficulties for me. Yeah. And I like the combo between the game. Like, I'm okay with, like, okay, I do, like, really most of the game, but then there's that one section I cannot beat, and it's taken me, like, an hour to try and do it, and I just hand the remote over to my husband and have him just beat that one section, and he hands the remote back, and tag team. That's how things get done. You know, I, and I don't get how Leland has the patience to do that stuff, because I'll come over before these things, and he'll play some game like Dark Souls and be dying over and over and yelling fuck, and but he keeps on going until he beats yeah. it. Yeah, because yeah. oh. I don't have a husband that I can hand my controller to to beat it for me. I have to do it myself. Well, my 
Andy's, uh, my husband's what? Andy's playing uh, the Spider-Man game right now. And he, if you go on Twitch on our channel on the Game of Nerds, you see him for an hour and a half trying to do one stupid sneaky thing with MJ through the through the base, and he can't do it. And I'm just like, it's called MJ isn't really sneaky, <laughs> but it, it's just it. Those, those are just give up you're like okay i'll try it again tomorrow like no, 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 absolutely no. you give up no, no, three no. minutes i give up no no no, no. I, I like i like the challenge i like the hard difficulty i like i like being brutalized just to you know twist my nipples clamp my testes just real hurt me hurt me real good you just want your ego stomped on. That's basically what you want. That's like, what I, need, oh. I need to tamp down a little bit sometimes. That's that's the story of Leland Steele. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Egos smashed down. Oh my um, God. That's um, we do want to touch on uh, board games as well. Um, what makes board games objectively bad? Uh, Leland, you're the board game guy. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, it's it's the same same stuff like uh, graphic design. If the, if the layout of the board is all wonky kind of thing and you it's difficult to, to discern which spots are where kind of thing. Uh, components could be a big thing for people if they're cheap, like thin cardboard or paper thin playing like cards you get, that kind of stuff. Right. It's, it's all the same kind of thing. So I, I, And then I think those are like objectively bad things, but then for board games, a lot of... A lot of the panics that are employed are where the opinion comes in because clearly some people like some people don't like worker placements or tile placement or drafting or you know whereas some some people might so I don't think I think there's a little there might be a little a little a few fewer aspects when it comes to board games that are that could be considered to be objectively bad I think any thoughts there Shannon. Oh, well, for me, I just because all my board game experience comes from small children playing small children games. So there you go. But for me, it's if it takes if it has a million pieces, because I guarantee you, if you miss one of those pieces, you're never going to be able to play that damn game again. So yes. there's that one. Or the, the one where you're getting like two page into the rules and the kid just looks at you like, I don't want to play that anymore. Yes. <laughs> because the rules are just too complicated. So for me, it, I think it's just the pieces. If the rules are too complicated, um, but my thing is, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but have you realized that we're like putting stress on kids on their kids, like with kids' games, like the game of life. I was playing with one of my kids last week, and he started to have a panic attack because he realized he had six kids, no house, and his job couldn't pay for his kids. <laughs> That's terrible to put that on children's children. Like, and then Operation, like, I have a three-year-old who won't play Operation because he's afraid he's going to kill the guy with the red nose. <laughs> you know, like, you don't have the dexterity at that point to, like, use the tweezers to get it out. Or, you know, um, I think the best one is, like, shoots and ladders because you can't, like, as a nanny, I can't cheat. Like, it's a spinner. You have to go by it. So all the kid is learning is that fate's a bitch. And, like, you got to go down the street. You got to go down the ladder. Like, so that's, that's my only subject of it. It's just... And then the other day, I went down the down the game aisle, and there's a game for $29.99. I think it's at Target. Where you... It's full of potatoes. It's a bucket full of potatoes that look like poop. And apparently, you put the bucket at one end of the... Of one end of the room and you carry the potatoes between your legs and walk over to the bucket and then open your you know like let the the potato drop into the bucket wow that's, that's a that's, that's really fun actually 
But okay, look. So the, these aren't these aren't hobby board games that you have experience with. I will. Okay, once this episode's done, I'm gonna email you a list of hobby kids games that are leaps and bounds above these types of games. Like, there's a whole another world of board games that. Clearly, you haven't been introduced to. three pages of rules to read through because we're only going to get through, like, page one. Try, like, 30 pages of rules. No, what I'm saying, there are specific games designed specifically with children in mind. I will send you a nice list of some recommendations. Yes. and But all those things that you have problems with, those are not a, those don't make games objectively bad. No, those are your. They're opinions. not. Those are just my opinions. And right. You know what? I don't play. Once again, I don't play enough big kid board games to know what's objectively <laughs> bad. I play with children. You know what, Shannon? There's you a lot of good kids games that entertain adults too. Yeah, Shannon, you are missing out though. And I mean, there's really nothing to do about it. But um, Leland has like, have you done a recent count of how many games you have? Uh, it's it's a little over 150, I think. 150 like legitimate adult geek themed board games. Oh, and I we have these people on the site, and I'm like so impressed. Like Dungeon, I want to play Dungeons and Dragons, but it's literally the the thought of it scares the living shit out of me. So like I can't like I'm not ready for it. But like these games interest me. But I think it's the it's the fact that I think they're so complicated, and I haven't taken the time to actually do it. That right, I'm yeah, yeah. You, you need you need somebody who's willing to introduce you and can introduce you properly to them to the right types of games at the right time. I think that's what I need. So maybe this, maybe Leland, you can be my guide. There we go. I'll try. I'll try my best because there's a huge wide range of difficulty levels, you know, across the hobby. Obviously, um, just like anything else. Um, we'll see. I learned something. There, there you go. go. You learn something new every day. Exactly. So. Um, my two that I've got that make a board game objectively bad, um, bad instructions that make it difficult to understand how to play, no matter how many times you read the rules. And Leland, you and I have ran into a couple of those in the past Okay, few months. I'm going to disagree with you that that is, that makes a game objectively bad. I would say okay, that, that makes part of that experience objectively bad, which I'm fully, a bad rule book, yes, can 100% ruin an experience of the game. But I don't think that should, that's not necessarily a reflection upon the game and the game mechanics and how they are supposed to work and how the designer intended and how enjoyable that they actually can be. Yeah, but I will agree with you. A bad rule book is unforgivable. Yeah, you know what? I actually will concede that point. That does make sense because you're right. Like, say the game designer actually teaches you how to play the game. It could be a fantastic game. Right, right, right. taught by someone that knows it. Well, and I think a lot of the times with, um, with the poor rule book, one, working companies, you you got to get proper editors for these rule books. Like you've got to, you got to third party them out to somebody who's, who does it professionally. Just do it. It's so worth it. It just makes your game so much more accessible to such a wider audience for one thing. And, but a lot of the times I think poor rules books just comes from translations, whereas more of the, the Euro games, which, you know, European based designers, um, sometimes something gets lost in translation, I think. But again, that's where you, you need then find an English-speaking editor then. Like, find somebody to hire. Like, these people out, out there exist, and you need to hire them, employ them, and make your game better for it. Yeah. But yeah, bad rule books, not, not good. Another thing is I, I don't like mechanics in games that will allow a player um, through random chance to like really pull ahead of the pack right away and that you know they'll inevitably win. 
And I'm trying to think of specific examples of that. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, but again, I'm going to argue that that doesn't objectively make that game bad. Yes, uh, a chance element can be a significant factor for somebody's enjoyment. I know I, I don't, depending on the situation, I much prefer uh, less chance and less randomness in my games. But those games that do have those elements, a lot of the time, the, the point of those games are the mitigation of those factors. And that's where the main mechanics are employed. But yeah, like lighter fare games, maybe some children games have yeah. higher chance elements. But I don't necessarily think that just outright makes the game bad, right? Again, that's that's your opinion, I think. Hmm. And I share that opinion, obviously. But Yeah. Obviously. They were, get, we're back to shoots and ladders again. We're back right? to shoots and ladders. We're back to shoots yeah, and ladders. You get, you get all the way up to there, and then the kid's like, I'm going to win, I'm going to win. And then all of a sudden, he's got to shoot. He's back down on the far left hole. Right, it's a big plate on it. Yeah. He'll be back down. Right down in the first square. Uh, right? Done. Oh, uh, that's, that's sad. Q tears, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Nanny, I hate you. Mom, I hate I, you. Shitty, I don't like you anymore that's why my kids don't play board games like like there's only probably one board game now that we play and it's sequence and 95 percent of the time they don't want to play it with me because they know i'm gonna win <laughs> See, because now they're old enough that i just don't i'm just like hey, no i'm not back. gonna let you win you gotta you, you, gotta, you gotta you gotta just crush them into the ground that's like leland playing exactly. splendor with me there's a card game that i dominate that's how you that's how you, they persevere right that's how you teach yeah. To strike. You're not going to always win. You're going to lose some. So you can get yeah. used to it now. You can't give everybody a blue fucking ribbon. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Um, well, that's all I've got. So anybody else have any other points they want to bring up on this topic? Uh, I think I'm, I'm cool. But I mean, we we haven't really touched on exactly when you're... Comp- like if you're writing a review, um, where... How do you know how much of uh, objectivism versus opinionism to inject into your review? Like, at what points, what's the balance there? Should I think you priority? have to balance. I think you have to be aware that there's a balance. And if you can sit and take, like, go online and look at other people's reviews and see what other people are saying on social media and take that into account, then you're being objective. You're, you're taking in other pieces. But if you're literally sitting there and you think this it's your way or the highway, then you're all on opinion. And, and that really is not going to come across very well. And, and once again, you're being a jerk about it. You're not being nice about it and just being constructive. Um, I mean, I do some blogging myself. And it's I have a blog that is review-based. Basically kind of anything I want. Books, video games, movies. Um, I try to go about, I try to aim for 50% objective, 50% opinion, but really it's about 75% opinion, 25% (laughs) objective when I think about it. But my favorite film critic is a guy, you guys, you may not be familiar with him, but his name's Chris Stuckman. And you know Chris Stuckman? Nice. Yeah. And so what I like about Chris Stuckman is he said this early on in one of his videos, and I think he said this a few times, is that an objective element has virtually been lost through main mainstream reviewers, meaning these reviewers in like USA Today or whatever big publication just give an opinion about the movie, but they never bring up issues like cinematography, 
lighting, you know, plot, you know, exactly. for the most part. They just say what what do they feel about it stuff for the most part. Well, and a lot of it, unfortunately, you know, I see this from my end on my website. A lot of these reviews are paid for by the companies to say, you know, this movie is the greatest thing on the face of the earth. And us fans are sitting there going, no, this is shit. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's it. You have to kind of go 50-50, but at the same time, I think most of my writers are the same way as you, who do 75-25, and really, I think that's how you connect to people on your level, because you are being honest, and you're telling them how you feel, but you're, once again, not beating beating a dead horse and saying, this is just, you know, this is horrible and trashing it. Yeah. And I think opinion is super important to be part of reviews because I'll again fall back on Chris Stuckman. He and I think similarly, it seems, um, without having ever met the guy, but we certainly feel similar about the same movies that we like and dislike. So when he gives an opinion saying, you know, I felt this way about this movie, you know, I really like this about it. Um, and I came out of it thinking that it's, you know, a grade A movie or a B plus movie. I almost always think the same way as him when I end up seeing the film or have seen the film and then watch his review later. So what I'm saying is that if you can find a critic whose opinions seem to align with yours, it really will tell you, for example, is this a movie I want to see in a theater and shell out my 20 bucks for my drive or should I wait to see it on DVD or maybe even avoid it altogether? Totally. I totally agree. So, Leland, any? Yeah, well, I think that's why it's. Uh, I mean, reviews are down, doesn't everyone's doing them? So yeah. you got to find you got to find the reviewer that you do connect with, like you said. And yeah, you you it's it there is onus on the consumer to, you know, you you got to wade yourself through all of this myriad of content. You can't just yeah, you can absorb as much of it as you as you like, but you're, if you're going to be getting conflicting opinions, obviously they're not all going to align with your own. So, how do you decide that you where you want to spend those dollars if you're reading twelve different reviews and you know three different things are being said across all twelve of them? Like, then what the hell do you do? So yeah, I think you do. Like, it's good that you found one kind of your go-to kind of a go-to because you're right. You, people are going to say different things about most. Of course, of course, yeah. Yeah, you got to find your tribe and, and have, like, I feel like that's the new way social media is going to be is that we are going to find the people that we want to have in our lives and in our, you know, to listen to and talk to. And those are going to be the people. And that's what I've kind of done with TGON is kind of made a geek community that's safe where you can learn, you can write, you can do whatever you want. But at the end of the day, we're being construct, you know, we're being positive and constructive at the same time. That is so cool. You know what? I commit once a week, I'm going to grab my bourbon off the shelf and I'm going to go to your website each week and just read up on stuff because what you do is so cool. (laughs) That's what I do. I'm legitimately sweet. Unlike my partner over here. I still love Leland, so it's all good. (laughs) Yeah, look, the Leland Steele fan club has its first. It's so fun fun being on here with both of you. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, do I get to be president of the I Love Leland fan club now? Is that the <laughs> Yes. If you want to found it and actually start it, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'll make a t-shirt and I'll... I'll <laughs> I love steel. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The funny thing is like, because Leland's, you know, more of a quieter guy, a little bit more serious and intense. So I was just laughing so much thinking when I was 
prepping for this about, you know, I knew Shannon, you would have very high energy like I do and just us bombarding him for two hours of high energy. Yes, I was warned. I, I, was I will admit I have not, I did not properly prepare myself. <laughs> oh, wow. You didn't drink enough coffee, you weren't ready for the both of us. We're not alcoholized, one of the two. <laughs> one of the two, maybe both. Um, I, I think we want to move into... Yeah, let's, let's move into the segment, segment I'm most excited for. This is uh, this is video game variety show and this segment and this is 64 memories. So this is a discussion about the Nintendo 64, one of my favorite systems of all time. And this was actually inspired by you, Shannon. We initially had a little bit of a different segment, but you mentioned how much you liked N64, and I said, you know, screw it, let's let's go full on N64. Well, N64 is literally the gaming system I learned how to game on. I mean, the only other system we had before this when I was growing up, I have two younger brothers, um, was the Sega Dreamcast. And I don't know if you guys remember Seaman, the the game where you got to have a microphone on the, you know, the Sony Dreamcast, which was awesome. Um, that was my first game. And then my grandparents basically bought us the N64 and all hell broke loose in our house. I mean, it was, the, it was the one we could have three controllers. We could all play. Um, my youngest brother, Justin, is five years younger than me. So he was a little late on the, on the video game curve. So we had to, had to catch him up. But it was just, you know, the fact that I had a pink controller, my brother had a blue controller, the other brother had a yellow controller. Everyone had their stuff. Oh, man, I love the N64. They need to bring it back. Oh, they need to. I, I mean, I have a couple just because if my main one breaks, I want to never be without an N64. So I have a backup. Yeah. But uh, no, yeah, it's completely amazing. It was the main system I ever had through my childhood. Um you know, the only other one I had was my TurboGrafx-16, which was relevant for about two minutes in 1989. So I don't even think that counts. But you're right. The N64, I mean, it was the coolest thing at the time. You've got four controller slots, like you said. You you hit the ground running with some great games. I mean, you look at Mario 64, right? As a launch yeah. title. and That was the best thing ever. It, it really was. And, um, you know, I'm going to bring up bring it up a little later in a subsection that we've got for this. But um, what were what were the first games that you had that really made you go, this is an amazing system? Um, the first real games was like Mario Kart for sure. Oh, like yeah. we, That was like the beginning of um, fights in our house. And my mom's only rule was if you are fighting and yelling in not a positive way, <laughs> then the game has to be off. And she would ask, she would yell. She goes, are you being positive? And we'd be like, yeah, we're winning. We're winning, mom. We're not fighting. Because <laughs> she would just awesome. take the controllers. She would just rip the controllers out and be like, you're done. You're done. Wow. Or she just pulled the game out. She's like, you're done. Wow. So, but we we love the Mario games. We were huge. And the big game that I remember more than anything is Banjo-Kazooie and Banjo-Tooie. Like, yes. That that was like, it was like the beginning. Remember how I was just talking about how I hand the controller off to my husband? It was my little brother was the one I handed the controller off to. And he helped us beat all these levels and games. Um, you know, my brothers were really into Pokemon, you know, Pokemon Snap, all those Pokemon games, because that was the big thing. Um, but just like, I think the beginning of introducing the Mario, the Mario world to me was a big deal. Um, Yoshi World, did, uh, Donkey Kong, all those kind of games. 
Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head there. They really did good with their first party games. Like, to me, Mario 64 is the definitive Mario in my my opinion. Star Fox 64 is the definitive ah. Star Fox. Um, Donkey Kong, I thought, was flawed, but it, it was a gigantic game. Like, there was so much to collect and do in that game. There was almost too much. Well, and they had Diddy Kong Racing was oh, the next yes. one that came after that one. Oh, yes. And Diddy Kong Racing was broken, too, because if, like, you were in a car and your brother had the plane, like, like it was done. Were, yeah, you were done. Like, there was no point. <laughs> There's no point. But it was funny. I look back at Diddy Kong Racing, and it introduced Banjo and also Conker. And you look what Conker was at the end of the N64 era. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. It, you know what my brother brought up the other day? We were talking. It's because I was telling him I was going to be on here. And my brother's like, Conker was like the Grand Theft Auto of its day. Like, nobody knew how raunchy and how bad it was until, like, the game. Like, we got the game home. And my mom's like, oh, you cannot have this game anymore. <laughs> I know. It's... It's the most hilarious thing. So I bought the game for my brother. This was, of course, before it was really expensive and hard to find. I mean, this when it first came out. But he didn't really end up liking it that much. And so I was playing it one time, and he was pissed off at me or something. So he, like, yells to my mom, who's this, like, really conservative Christian. He's like, you know, Moby's bouncing on this flower's boobs. Mom, mom, come take a look. And she was like, What? And yeah, yeah, then Conquer got shelled until he became an adult. Oh yeah, so many good memories. Um, I started with Shadows of the Empire when we got our N64. That's the whole reason I wanted the system was as a big Star Wars geek. And I played the living fuck out of Shadows of the Empire for like four months. And I just, I was a kid who just sat down all summer, drank Pepsi, ate chips, put on like 25 pounds, and played, <laughs> played Jazz of the Emperor. That's exactly what happened. The waistline just bulged. And, uh, but it, oh, I just loved it. But that's how my brother was with Zelda. Like, Zelda was his, like, game, like, his entry oh, gateway yes. drug into, like, gaming. And then it went to World of Warcraft and, like, all those other, like, Zelda was the same thing. Like, that was his in way. Zelda was so phenomenal. And uh, and my brother got Ocarina of Time. It's one of my favorite games ever. Yeah. My brother, who is a dick and still is. Yeah. <laughs> he, my brother's name is Dick. Isn't that funny? <laughs> that is funny. He's probably a better man, though. That's funny, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with Ocarina of Time, my brother would let me become an adult, you know, which took about five hours or so. Yeah. which is my favorite part. And then inevitably he'd delete my save file and he'd be like, oh, oh, you can start over again. I promise I won't delete it this time. And of course he's oh, brutal. Brutal. That's brutal. It was, it was that, pretty brutal. That was mean. My mom always made us have to have separate save files. And if one of them got deleted, then we, all of ours got deleted. So it was, <laughs> nobody won. Everyone was trying to be safe on their save files. That is so genius. That is very smart. Yeah. As a course, I respect that. Yeah, what a good... What a good move by your mom. Well, she was, uh, my, you know, my mom was um, going through uh, cancer when we were kids. So she was usually sick. And so my grandparents actually bought us the system to kind of keep us, you know, entertained and keep my mom, you know, to rest and stuff like that. So my mom's only one rule was just as long as you guys aren't fighting. And to be honest, it was the one thing that brought us together. We could all sit together. Um, you know, my littlest brother sat in our lap and we had such a wide variety of games. You know, if I got tired, my middle brother, who was really good, could play and we could watch him. 
if my baby brother wanted to play, we'd pop in. Um, I don't know if you guys remember Wave uh, Wave Race. Yeah. With the, the like literally the easiest game on the N64. When my cousins would come over, we'd all plug that in and we teach them how to like use the controller and everything. Wow. You know, so it, it was. For me, N64 means family and just nostalgia and just being together. And we still, to this day, we laugh about our favorite games. Do you do you still have one that you bring out occasionally? Or? Yeah, my brother has one. My brother, so my middle brother, Richard, he built a arcade system with all the different gaming systems inside of it. So it can play all the different games. He's one of those crazy, awesome guys. So, yes, we do play occasionally. Our big one that we have yet to, like, nail down that I think at this point we're just going to have to either buy an old system and an old game is Banjo-Kazooie because that's, like, our jam. Well, yeah, I mean, I I bought a copy off eBay a few years ago. Um, you can get knockoff copies that look generally the same and they work, and they're maybe 15 bucks if you ever wanted yeah. to go that route. But... Uh, yeah, Banjo-Kazooie is an interesting game because the one thing I didn't like about it, it say you tried to collect 100 notes on a level and you got 99, if you had to go back in, you had to get all 100 again. There you go, yeah. It. Oh, that sucks. That, and they changed that for Banjo-Tooie. Yeah. They changed yeah. that. That's good. Oh, and uh, Shannon, do you remember that ice key in Banjo-Kazooie at all? Yeah. Oh, I spent so long, because that was the pre-internet days, trying to get that fucking ice key. I, well, I mean, that was the thing. So we got to like, there's a certain level at Banjo Kazooie and Banjo Tooie where you're just like, the levels are too hard. And at that point, I was like, Richie, which we now call Dickie. So, you know, you ask him, please come help us. <laughs> like, please. You know, and he like, and but he had the dexterity. He was one of those people where it was just like, oh, okay, here you go. Boom, dead. Wow. Like, call me when you need me again. <laughs> Wow. And here I am at the oldest going, man, I'm just, I'm just not good at video games. Maybe it's because I'm a girl. And it's just, for me, it was just finding video games that I could play and that I enjoyed. That's cool. That's cool. Leland, what about you? I have your golden eye, so you must like <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was playing um, it this morning. The N64 was not my main console of choice. Um, it was actually, I had the 64, was at my, my father's house. Um, because my parents separated when I was a young kid. So, you know, I, every second weekend or whatever, the custody split was, they would go over there, and that's the console we had. But uh, So I didn't have very many games, but I, GoldenEye was good. Um, I love Star Fox. I like, can't let you do that, Star Fox. Um, so good. And, oh, Blast Corps. Did you guys play Blast Corps? I rented it. Oh, I love that game, too. So good. Um, so I don't have as much experience with you guys, obviously. Never touch the Zelda, never will. Go jump off a cliff, as far as I'm Leland concerned. doesn't like uh, first-party Nintendo stuff. <laughs> yeah, Nintendo can suck a dick. <laughs> Thank you, Leland. Thank you so much. <laughs> so I don't have uh, I don't have nearly as much experience with the N64, but but I mean, did any like, of you guys play Super Smash Brothers? Like that oh, was like the beginning of that one. Yes. That yes. I, I own it, and we still play it. Like Leland, myself, and our other buddies. Like we still actively play N64 when yeah. we have meetups and like pizza night. I will bring it wherever they're at, and I'll bring bring the games. Yeah, so. we just got us. We have we've had a switch for the last year, and that's like one of my favorite consoles because it's just like they're starting to add so many older games to it that I'm just like, okay, please just start unleashing the 64s, uh, you know, older titles because yes. they can make such a fortune off those. Like it's it's just it's ridiculous. 
Because, like, the Yoshi story, Super I know they're bringing Super Smash Brothers to the Switch already, but there's just so many games that you can do that would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We talked about amazing games there. Do you have any that you hated, that you played or bought and you were disappointed with? Uh, Pokemon Snap was not my jam, and neither was Pokemon Bounce. My brothers were really into Pokemon. Those, those were the only two games I was, like, totally not okay with. Um, you know, really, I was a, I really liked the N64. There were so many games that I could play that it was, it was nice. I feel like now with the Xbox and the PS4, like, there's not enough games that I feel like I want to play or have a desire to play, whereas I go on the Switch and I'm like, oh, yeah, there's, I want to play that. I want to do that. Awesome. Well, here's a recommendation if you've never played it. I think it's out for the Switchers coming out, I thought I heard, for like downloading the C4. Harvest Moon. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know it? All about, all about. Harvest Moon was like the one game my brother got PO'd with me because he kept calling it not a real game. Oh. He's like, you're just farming. And then what's funny is then Facebook came out with Farmville and he was, he was like obsessed with the farm <laughs> when that came out. I'm like, it's just farming. What a hypocrite. What a hypocrite. Right? Exactly. But yeah, no, I love Harvest Moon. There, you know what? I feel like the N64 brought a lot of those nostalgic titles that they're now trying to bring, you know, make sequels and um, more and more video games. Those are the ones that they need to keep hitting on because the N64 is what made them popular. Yep. Absolutely. Um, What did I have for bad games here? One of them, which was only a rental, thank goodness, was uh, Superman 64, which is (laughs) notorious. Notorious is like the worst game. Um, all you did is like fly through rings yep. and if you missed a ring, you were screwed. And that was the whole game. There's nothing else to it. You never fought. You never did anything. It was so bad. Um, I also hated the Tony Hawk pro skater games, which my brother loved, but that's not really an N64 thing. Cause I think they weren't exclusive. No, they weren't. So I mean, the and neither were like the WWE games. Cause I know there was a bunch of my brothers were into the WWE games and I was just like, I'm not into this at all. Those are some real good no mercy, amazing. Really? Wrestling. I, I, like, oh, I have so no bad. problem with wrestling. I grew up so cold with Steve Austin, The Rock. Like I'm all for it, but the video games, I'm like, what are you doing? Like this, no. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of interesting as I think about the N64 when I was doing my prep because it's like there's two kinds of games for that system for me. There's the games I enjoy playing alone. Of course, which are, you know, your, I love the Zeldas. I mentioned Shadow of the Empire, Perfect Dark, which I actually prefer over Goldeneye. Um, But I own a bunch of games for the N64, which I love, but would never own and would immediately sell if Leland and my other friends didn't play with me. Um, So, for example, we have a cartridge of Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey, which is possessed possessed by Satan. I hate that game. And it's like... It forces you, like, you'll get up five goals, and sure enough, the game will force the other team somehow, some way to come back and, like, beat you in, like, that's a 13 so 12 game. Hate we, game. We hate it, but we keep playing it. I know. It's... Um, one now. But that's, the game, but that's your guys' like, go to, like, I want to be tortured. Let's play this game. It's it's like a T Hut tradition. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah. T Hut. I mean, that's where the name of the podcast comes from, is that was our group of friends, and three of us started the, the podcast. So, yeah. 
Um, now, another thing, this is actually kind of um, interesting maybe for you, Shannon. I did an experiment the last few years where I am conducting an experiment. I actually went and invested in buying a number of the rarest N64 games, specifically to see if like they're going to spike in value. Yeah. Um, so like, I don't know how into N64 you are besides the games that you own and have played, but like I have an excellent condition copy of Cl Clay Fighter Sculptor's Cut, which is like the rarest of all N64 yeah. games. Yeah. So that's pretty that's cool. Sick. It is sick. Oh, and it it like it looks it doesn't have any blockbuster stickers. So the story with that game is each blockbuster location got a single copy. And because it was rental, most of them got absolutely trashed by kids and Coca-Cola spilt on it and whatnot and stickers. Um, but mine is in really good condition. And I, I guess I had to clean it a little bit, but um yeah. So I'm really excited to see how that thing goes up in value. It's gone up a couple hundred bucks. But Worms Armageddon, which is the game that's appreciated the most in value of any N64 game I bought. Um, yeah, it is awesome. Like, that is one of the main games that we play. Yeah, it's, it's, that's, that's game. That's one game I, I really do love. It's so fun. Just girder, girder, girder. Never put, no, I was about to say that. Never play with Leland because he won't shoot you with a bazooka or anything. He just gets a girder kit and locks you up with girders. Yep. Just come oh. put a girder over your little divot you're in and you're trapped. <laughs> but see, I know I want to play with you guys because this sounds like an awesome game. Because I, I heard about the first one and I have experience with it. The second one I've never even heard of. So now I'm like, all right, now I got to Google it and figure out if my brother has it because I want to play it now. The the second game you're meaning Worms Armageddon? Yes, that one. Yeah. Worms Armageddon. A few others, and I can email these to you too that I think you'd enjoy. Um, Battle Tanks Global Assault. I bought that specifically. To, we rarely play that, but I bought that for a party game. Have we ever played that? I, I think we played it once, oh, okay. but we should play it once. I'm not familiar with You're basically, it's like four-player deathmatch with tanks, except you pick a team. So each team will have like maybe two smaller tanks, uh, three larger tanks. It's really easy to play. It's pretty much just move and shoot, and there's special items. There's a real cool missile that when you fire the missile, it's like turns into missile cam and you guide it around. Oh, that's that's cool. so much fun. Wow, I don't know if you've ever That's awesome. That oh, it is highly recommended. And uh, another game, I think Leland hates this game, and most of T-Hive does, but I like NBA Hang Time. I think we played it like one time. I don't know. That's really good. We used to have that game. I like that one. And of course, now I don't actually own them, but I should get them, but uh, the, the Mario parties. Oh my gosh, that's literally my jam. Like, I am so stoked for it to be out on the Switch. It's not even funny. Oh, like, so I that fun. one game I can master and, like, I would win at. I love that game. Yeah, it's so much fun, just like how it's a board game, but you actually have video game mini games. Yeah, yeah no, I like those. Those games are cool, too. Uh, and what kind of um, how far back do the Switch offerings go then? If they're not, they don't have N64 titles, what do they have on them? They've the been redoing, like, um, they just did uh, Donkey Kong, was the Country country Freeze or something like that. They just did that one. They've been taking certain titles and, like, putting them as, like, re-releasing them on the Switch. But it's been really slow. So I know they're going to be coming out with a new Mario Party in December. And they're working on a new, like, Yoshi story kind of for next year. So it, it just, 
I think they're trying to figure it all out. But my husband and I were talking about it today. I'm wondering if they're thinking about just re-releasing the N64, like they've been doing the classic and everything else, and they're going to release it for Christmas as the new thing. I could swear I've heard rumors of that from Marty. Well, yeah, I know, I know. We've, we've spoken about it um, and how good an idea it is, but they've shown... This is, if they do that, this will be their third attempt at trying to get supply right and match it to the demand, which they consistently cannot do. No, so they can't. They need to get their shit together, too. Yeah. That- well, it, I think for both ends, because I think they've got so much built up in nostalgia and people wanting the old classics, but then yet they haven't, like... There really isn't a lot of games on the Switch to play. You know what I'm trying to say? So yeah. it's like they're playing one end, like they can't keep up with one. They're either working with the product and they can't keep up with that and the, or the video game stuff or vice versa, you know? Yeah, no, that's true. I'm very di- – I own a Switch. Um, I'm very disappointed overall with the amount of new games that have come out for it, you know, yeah. since I've got it. I, I mean, I've got Mario. Um, I've got – I actually have Zelda for the Wii U, but that technically is a Switch game. Now, yeah. And it's, yeah, there really isn't that much out there. I almost never play my Switch. Yeah, that's well, we, disappointing. We love our Switch. I mean, I love the console and the yeah. concept and everything because um, Andy goes out in the morning and stands in front of the Targets and the, all those lovely stores for the Funko toys. So it's nice for him. He just, ha- he just goes and takes the Switch and goes and plays and sits in front of the stores. So, like, the concept and everything, I love it. It's just I wish they would put more effort into the games and, you know, like, almost make it, like, where it's an all-arcade and you can buy all of the games Nintendo's ever made and just have it downloaded to the Switch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, pick pick that up there. But Nintendo's been weird. I mean, this is a whole other can of worms. But I think, like, since the GameCube uh, era or the GameCube, that they've really not not done a lot of... I don't know. I just get the feeling like they're pushing good quality games. They don't have as many as they used to. Like the N64 era was just hit after hit after hit. Um, Well, I think we're just reusing them. Like one of my authors brought up the point, you know, like everybody has their own game. Luigi has his own game. Mario has his own game. Mario has his own like crap load of games. Yoshi's getting his own games. What about Princess Peach? Has Princess Peach gotten her own game? No, not at all. Not at all. That'd be cool. I'd play a Peach game. So I, uh, Peach was always, uh, in the later iterations of uh, Smash Brothers, Peach was always my character of choice. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah I've always liked her. Like Mario Kart, Peach, yeah. I'm always, I'm on Team Peach for sure. <laughs> team, team Peach. Yeah, like, like I feel like she needs her own video game. Like, she rescues Mario. She's not the damsel in distress. Like... Like, Nintendo, there you go. Girls will play a Princess Peach game. Just freaking make it. And Absolutely. And guys will, too. I mean, and girls make up a lot of gamers nowadays, so. Exactly. And I'm learning that. It's just, like I say, for me, I have to feel good when I game. Otherwise, like, if something's too hard and too complicated, like, I just, I can't handle it. It's kind of like the Spider-Man. Like, I love watching it. I think it's an awesome game. The freaking controls make me want to just scream. Though I can't, I can't press all the buttons at once, you guys. <laughs> and remember all the combos and everything else. Like, I just, I can't. I don't have that capacity. Uh, Leland, how do you find playing that game? Oh, I, I love it. I actually just finished uh, a review of it myself and put it up this morning. Um, oh, really? 
Oh, I, I, I'm so so happy with that game. And Dude, it's the sickest game ever. So I good. love it. I love so watching. Good. I love everything. I we just got the vintage comic book uh, Spider-Man costume, so that's where we're the, at. Like shell, just, the cell oh shady one, huh? The like cell shady one that is like retro, yeah. like '60s Spidey. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. One. I love that costume too, and that's like one of my top three of choice when I play that game. But like, I was wearing it and. Um, I was wearing it through like a cutscene, like an emotional cutscene with MJ, and it like <laughs> I like pull it pulled me right out of because it, it looks so fucking weird. He was sixty Spidey standing like right next to MJ. It was uh, it's funny, but no, man, they did such a good job in that game. That game oh, yeah. is awesome. I'm kind of, it's one of those games that I'm glad they hyped and they waited and did a really good job up here. That they yeah. had put it out and it was shit. I would have been pissed. Yeah, well, I'm, I don't know how pissed I would have been. I mean, that would have just been, they would have been continuing their trend of Spider-Man games. I mean, honestly. The last the last decent Spider-Man game was Shattered Dimensions in, like, 2009, uh, which I really love, but that's a, a, it's vastly different from the direction they went with Marvel's Spider-Man, which was so much closer to 2004 Spider-Man 2, which was a, a great game. Hmm. I just think the graphics and everything is just, it, they did a phenomenal job on it, and I'm just it really, really impressed with it. Yeah. All right. Well, back to the N64. N64. No, that's Our cool. We, we go on tangents all the time. We go on tangents all the time. Um, I wanted to talk about the hardware a little bit. Um, Shannon, I love the controllers. I just think they're so iconic. What about you? No, they're like, for some reason, I feel like all controllers, like after N64, just tried to emulate the the N64. Because literally, if you think about it, like every other console, like the, the controller works that way. It's just missing the middle, middle, middle uh, holder, I guess. I don't know. I I love them. I had a pink one. I literally like used it to the point that the 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 controller wouldn't stay up straight anymore. And my mom's like, "You're gonna have to buy yourself a new one if you want a new one." And I was like, "Eh, I think I'm gonna give up video games." Are, are you talking about like the the controller the stick? Yeah. See, that's one of the criticisms I have. The only criticism I have of that controller, like it fits well. It still fit well today when I was playing it. But man, those sticks wear out quick. And lose their yeah. sensitivity, and then of course Mario Party didn't help oh, with like man. those rowing games. Yeah, whenever you, you had to spin it and mash it. And did you ever That's hear like City right some there. kid was about to sue or tried to sue Nintendo for like blistering his hand and getting nerve damage or something? <laughs> oh, and so what Nintendo did, if you were not lazy enough to like actually want to do this, you could mail in for a special glove. I did serious. It's like a white Michael Jackson glove. Somebody needs to tell somebody at Nintendo like they just can't do anything with a glove. Just quit trying to do the glove. Power fist isn't gonna work. So like when Wii came out, did like someone try to sue them for like shaking the Wii like I've got now wrist and elbow Well yeah, that was wasn't that thing people were as they were doing the motions, the Wii they were throwing the Wii modes. Yep. And then it comes with a safety strap, you idiots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like not buckling up. And every boot screen told you to put on the safety yeah, strap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I never Yeah, did. you had to bypass like three screens and click OK before, before you could even do it. Is the strap on? Really? Is it? Is it? Is it? <laughs> Are you sure? Are you sure? Would you like to know more? 
Correct. <laughs> Inside you. Inside you. My favorite part was playing the N64 so aggressively, and then at one point you would unplug it, and you go, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, and you have to run and unplug it, because that was, like, the last console where they actually, yes. like, plugged into the actual console. Yes. Oh, that was so bad. And I have a story, too. It's really quick, but I was... One time, me and one of my buddies who did a Smash Brothers game on N64, and it was... We're like, this is the definitive who is the best at Smash Brothers no matter what contest. And I was about to win. And this guy, who's honestly not a violent guy, he's pretty passive. Um, he grabbed my system and ripped it out of the wall. Power core and all. I was like, dude, geez. That was, that was pretty rough. Um, now, Shannon, did you have an expansion pack? for your N64, do you remember? Oh, I wasn't there multiple expansion packs at one point where it had like different ones? Well, so I'm not talking about the things that plug into the controller itself, like the, okay. the, the rumble, the pack, rumble pack, yeah, no. But kind of later, maybe about two thirds through the life cycle of the N64, they released something called the expansion pack. They actually had to open a door on the top of the N64, take out what is called a booster pack, and plug in this new expansion pack. And you would have had to have had it because yes. Donkey Kong, oh. it was mandatory for Donkey Kong. Yeah, then we definitely had it then. It was, my brother was the tech guru who put everything together. So if, And we had Donkey Kong and played it religiously. So yes, we had to have had it. But... And what it, why I'm bringing it up is I'm making a criticism of it because, first of all, it came with Donkey Kong. It, it, Donkey yeah. Kong requires it, but it came with Donkey Kong. That's great. We got Donkey Kong for Christmas one year. Expansion yeah. pack goes in. Forget about it. But then there are other games like um, Zelda Majora's Mask and uh, Perfect Dark, which require the expansion pack. Now, listener, if you're listening, I know you could play multiplayer of Perfect Dark without the expansion pack. But I'm, to play the main game, you needed the expansion pack. Expansion pack, yeah. And I didn't like it because what it did with a lot of games, I actually watched this YouTube video on the expansion pack um, a couple weeks ago, is it, it improved the graphics, but it killed the frame rate of a bunch of games. And games like, like you didn't want to swap the pack out, but if you went to play older games, the expansion pack would actually make them run slower sometimes with a worse frame rate. And... And I don't like that. Like, I would not trade slightly better textures and graphics for a game that gets choppy. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. That makes sense. So, I agree. So that's a criticism. Um, and did you ever, like, I don't know, you haven't commented on it, but you know, like, how many crazy versions and colors, like, the system came in. Like, there was a Pikachu N64 at one point. Did you know Yeah, that? we we had multiple colors. We had all the control. I mean, it got insane, like to a point because we had, we we moved into a new house, and so then we all had our own room with our own, you know, and so then all of us wanted our own N sixty four because we didn't want to walk into the other person's room to go use the N sixty four. So yeah, we had all the colors, and there's a. Oh, I can't think of her name. I think it's Retro Gamer Girl. She's on Instagram. She has like like all the different kinds of games. Like it's amazing to see how many versions they came out in different packs and all that kind of crap. Yeah. It's insane. It is insane. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's like iPhones. Like and it's like an iPhone color. What color would you like? <laughs> totally. And it was so cool as a kid to like be able to go to the, 
you know, gaming store and buy your own controller and know that that would be the, like that color would be unique in your family. You know, I was yep. actually I was the boring one. I had the great controller that came with the system, but like my brother was always the blue controller guy. And then, yep. you know, later we got actually second controllers and then I was blue translucent. He was red translucent. Ah, just so, so many colors. Yeah, so awesome. that's how my mom kept track of the controllers. You had to be you were responsible for your controller. You lost your controller, you can't play N64. So you never let that controller go out of your sight. Oh, wow. You probably like snuggled with it at night instead of a teddy bear. Well, we had a bin. My mom made us, you know, my mom, we were very organized. So she made us put it all in the bin. But, you know, like every her rule was, you know, everything has a place in the house. So if it's not in its place, then that's your problem. Ah, smart. Smart. If you didn't put it away, then it's somewhere in the house and that's not her problem. You better go find it. <laughs> that's hilarious. Well, yeah, that's all I got on N64. Shannon, do you have anything else? Any other points? No, just that it's awesome and that I really want them to release a new one. And I, I just found out today that apparently my husband never even had one. And my in-laws, apparently he, he whined about it so much that one weekend they rented it at Blockbuster and he played... Mario Party or Mario 64 and he goes it was the best weekend of my life Aww. <laughs> even better than when he got married or his kids were yeah right exactly no, just, that, that's it and so he goes yeah I really want them to release a new one so I can have it at my house and tell my mom that I've got one now <laughs> yeah, listener if that N64 comes out you better go buy it I, yeah, I would I want. I wanted. I was interested in getting their NES and SNES classics, but you just can't get it. No, you have to be on top of it, and you have to like watch GameStop and all those other stores because otherwise, like as soon as they come in stock, they're gone within minutes. Yeah, that's way too much effort. <laughs> yeah, it's way too much effort. Chasing down stores—that's too much effort, right? Well, it is. I could sit. I could sit in my underwear on my couch and order anything else in the world that I wanted, except for. A Nintendo retro system. I'm like, come on, Nintendo. Get your shit together. This is why Nintendo's stupid. Oh, you guys... come on. We're not... We'll do an episode sometime. Why is Nintendo stupid? Or is Nintendo stupid? And then you and I will have to... Is Nintendo it. stupid? No, in a condescending controversy. There you go. I can bitch about Nintendo. Awesome. Yeah, just make sure you add in the part where I'm pissed off about Princess Peach. Okay, thanks, you guys. Got it. You're, see, you're, you're Team Leland. You're Team Leland all the way. <laughs> I'm going to make a shirt. Don't you forget about it. <laughs> team Leland. Yeah, email us a picture of you in that shirt. That I think that'd make Leland's year. That would be, yeah. Yeah. That would be much That's appreciated. Awesome. We, I'm, that might even make me consider inviting you back. consider inviting you i didn't say you would be invited i said it would be you'd be up for consideration (laughs) was this my apparently this is just my tryout i didn't make full cut of the team Uh, yeah i know this is we're still uh we're still finalizing numbers here so i love it that's hilarious okay well i mean if we're all done we can do end of show stuff yeah let's uh let's let shannon plug the game of plug away give give yourself another plug there so, if you are in, involved in anything geeky or nerdy, you do cosplay, you're an artist, um, you love jiffing on Tumblr or all this stuff, come visit The Game of Nerds. Um, you can find us at www.thegameofnerds.com. Don't forget the the, or you're going to go find something else, not us. <laughs> but if you are geeky and you love um, TV books, 
video games, movies, you name it, we've got it. And if we don't have it, please email me and I guarantee you I will find someone or maybe you can come be on the team and share your passion with the world. Awesome. Cool. You guys are, what, you're on Twitter? You, what, you have a Twitch channel too we, and all that stuff? We're on Twitch. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on YouTube. We're on Google+. Plus. Go. We're on everything at, at the Game of Nerds. That's right. basically how you're going to find us. Perfect. Awesome. Sounds awesome. Good. Well, I'll connect with you on Twitter and uh, Facebook. Uh, I already follow the Game of Nerds on Twitter, so I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, very good on it. I, uh, I, I will. <laughs> Put me in your shame. All right. Well, so, okay. Uh, well, so I'll do ours now. Um, our website, ttpodcast.com. We are also on Twitter and YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. All that good stuff. All of which you can find links to on said website. Um, gee, I've been really still. And I've been Moby. And I'm Shannon. Thanks, listener. Thanks, listener. Thanks, listener. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs>